Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz, after a bye week, we are well rested and raring to go as it is the stinking Badgers this week. Biz, an off week, a chance to recharge the batteries, watch a few other games. How you doing? Good. You know, we, we talked about the fact that the bye week was going to be uneventful and not very many games, but they're good games. But, uh, you know, college football never disappoints. We end up having the. Uh, the epic nine overtime debacle of Illinois Penn State and uh, a couple other entertaining games. So it's, it's always fun to be able to spend a Saturday on your couch watching football. Definitely got to do that. Got to see uh, a ridiculous game and uh, that Penn State win doesn't feel quite as shiny after Illinois went there, went in there and got it done. But we will always have the memories of what happened a couple of weeks back. Also still the memories, though, lingering of what happened in the Purdue matchup as we get ready to get back out there on the field. For all intents and purposes, it's the halfway point of the season with the bye week here. Five games still remaining, seven in the book. So let's get into it. Where we are here, maybe a little report card for the Hawkeyes. What is this team? What do we know? What do we think we know at this point in the year? That's a great question. Uh, you know, it's if you'd have asked me that question before the Purdue game, I'm sure across the board we'd have talked about uh, <laughs> nothing but positives. But now, you know, I, I think there's a kind of a, you know, I wouldn't say dread, but there's there's certainly a lingering sense of concern in, in the Iowa fan base right now. I, I think that getting that bad taste of Purdue game out, out of our mouths would be good this week. But, you know, I, I – Anybody that doesn't think the first seven weeks were a uh, resounding success is is fooling themselves. I mean, six and one, and the way we went six and one with uh, you know a couple of really impressive wins at Iowa State and, and beating uh, you know Penn State the way we did. You know, uh, if you're if you're not giving this this team uh, generally good grades, you're uh, you're you're way too picky. That's kind of where I am too. Um... Kind of with the bye week, had a set chance to reevaluate things, and of course, you're six and zero. The expectations raise up, and and the disappointment of Purdue that lingers there as well. But you go through and you look at this team and look at what they've accomplished. The Iowa State win—that's a really good win to go on the road and do that. Though Indiana's beat every uh, lost everybody basically they played that has a pulse. 
still you did it in impressive fashion. So I think he posed it pretty good. Is Iowa good? Very good. Or just average with some luck? And I think you can argue each and every one of those, but just look at it this way. This is a team that is ranked to the top 10. This is a team that has everybody's everything still in front of them. They run the table. They are in the college football playoff. That means beating whoever comes out of the East, but they do that. They are everything still in front of them. So you have to be happy about that. And this week has been growing more and more frustrated as it's went on because I'm more pessimistic. I look at things negative, but this is a top 10 team. We're, there's at times that it feels like we're making Wisconsin out to be this behemoth that they're just not. Well, that's, you know, when you look at the last two weeks' results, us against Purdue and then them against Purdue, you know, it's easy to, to feel an impending sense of doom mm-hmm. because those were just two totally different games. I mean, they dominated Purdue and we got dominated by Purdue. So, you know, but if you take a step back and you look big picture at what we've done this year versus what Wisconsin's done this year, you know, I think you got to like our chances. And, and honestly, you know, you listed the categories. Are we average with some good luck? Are we good or are we very good? To me, this is the week where you you find out. Are, are we good or very good? I mean, I think we're clearly in the good category. But if you're very good, then you need to be able to go into to Madison and beat a average to good Wisconsin team on the road. This is not a great Wisconsin team. It, it has the – the earmarks of, of all Wisconsin teams, which means you know they're going to play solid defense, they're going to be physical, they're going to run the ball. But the fact of the matter is, Graham Mertz stinks. I mean, and there's no getting around it. I mean, you look at his stats, he stinks. And this is a statement game. Every year, Iowa-Wisconsin is kind of your barometer game where you determine what, where are we as a program. And, and once again this year, it's I think it's the game where we determine is this a good team or a uh, very good you know, potentially borderline great team. I'm getting more and more excited as we lead into it, and we'll we'll get into Wisconsin a little bit more, but just being happy with where this team is and where the program is. Are there concerns? Absolutely there there are. And, you know, we talked last week what a bye week means for Iowa. Wasn't a whole lot to glean out of that. It's not like Iowa's great coming off a of bye. It's not like they struggled. Just, and this is kind of the game-in, game-out nature that you get with Iowa football. It's part of what makes it so great. You can go out, as they did a few years ago, get blown out by Penn State, and then beat a top three Michigan team a week later because every single week it's not getting too high, not going too low. You play that even trade, and by the end of it, things out work out very, very well. Before we get into Wisconsin, though, one final thing I, I wanted to just get your thoughts on, and you know what can be done at this point, what the bye week what do you think was done? What do you think it was like inside the building? You got to feel this has been a long two weeks. I'm stewing to see this football team out there on the field again. You got to anticipate that these guys are sick of hitting each other. And they're going to be ready to go on Saturday. Trent, we uh, we've been doing this for too long because we, we clearly share one one brain at this point when it comes to what to discuss. Because I, I didn't even mention it to you, but that was kind of my one of my two assignments for Statboy this week was to look into. What has Brian Ferentz done during his Big Ten bye week? So uh, we're on the same page, Trent. So, yeah, let's look into some past performance on the bye weeks and, and see if it can give us any any signs of what to expect on, on, on Saturday. So you're ready to look into – there's only been three times. We've had other bye weeks, but only three 
bye weeks during the Big Ten season for, okay. for Brian Ferentz as an offensive coordinator. Because obviously last year there wasn't mm-hmm. a, a bye week. So we're looking at 2017, 2018, and 2019. Um, and you, you get some mixed results when you look at those games. So you ready to, ready to look at them? Let's dig into the numbers in the Big Ten. Brian Ferentz coming off of a bye. All right. Well, the first, first one was... Uh, I would argue this might have been Brian Ferentz's worst game plan as an offensive coordinator. If you remember, 2017, we go off a bye and go play a very pedestrian Northwestern team on the road. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, we decided our game plan was let's run Akron Wadley up the middle on repeat nonstop. It was so bad that Chad Leistikow, who I think you and I both agree is, is, is pretty fair when it comes to his analysis and very rarely leans towards the negative. This was his quote in the, in the article that Stat Boy sent me. It was, like bang, it was like he was banging his head against a wall. Offense quarter Brian Ferentz continued to unsuccessfully run wildly up the middle against the strength of the Wildcat defense. So uh, – I remember that game well because I was there. I was one of the, uh, whatever, 30,000 people at Ryan Field that day. And it was infuriating to watch. It was just, I remember just thinking, well, we have to be doing this to set something else up. At some point, there has to be, there has to be an end, you know, end game to this. And there wasn't. It was just running up the middle repeatedly. And we, and we got what we deserved. We lost in overtime when, when Noah Fant dropped a fourth down pass. So, that's the first of the game. So that one, uh, not good, Trent. If, if that's what's going to happen, if we decide we're just going to you know, bang our head against the wall and try to out-tough Wisconsin, I think you, you and I both know what's going to happen on, uh, on Saturday. So let, let's hope that game plan is not followed on Saturday. All right, so that's not all, though. we got two other games. What else has Brian come up with? Well, the 2018 one, Trent, was actually, I think, one of Brian's better games and one of our best offensive performances under under Brian Ferentz, we go to Minnesota in 2018, win 48-31. If you remember that game, a lot of creativity in that game. We we had the the fake field goal with the the handoff to TJ Hawkinson, Mm -hmm. four touchdown passes, over 300 yards passing, great balance, basically 40 runs, 40 passes. Basically did whatever we wanted to at Minnesota that that year. And, you know, again, one of his better game plans. So uh, clearly – Came out with a little more aggressive of a game plan. We, we kind of threw to set up the run. We threw deep. Amir had a big 60-yard touchdown pass. We had a couple other passes down the field. Um, you know, so let, let's let's just use that game plan. How about on Saturday? I like that one. Uh, fun game. Went up and visited Rusted for that one. Me and Kenny made the drive up there as always. Had a great time in Minneapolis. The other thing, I believe that was the debut. That was the first time that we saw the cash out there yep. in limited time. So, yeah, they did something. We're talking offense here, but also did something different defensively coming out of the bye. Well, and that was after the Wisconsin game. We had, <laughs> we had lost to Wisconsin where they scored the two late touchdowns. And the last touchdown, I believe, was from a slot receiver. And we decided enough's enough. We've got to, uh, we got to adapt. And we did bring the 4-2-5 out in Minnesota. The next year, 2019, we, we tried another wrinkle. If you remember, this is at, at Wisconsin two years ago after the bye week. So similar to what we're going to see on Saturday, we tried another defensive wrinkle. We tried the 4-4-3. We had four linemen in the game pretty regularly against them, uh, and it did not work. If you remember, uh, Jonathan Taylor 
ran all over us. They ran for over 300 yards. But uh, that was also a, a, a once-in-a-lifetime running back behind a, a much better offensive line than what Wisconsin's got now. But you, know, you look at that game plan, you know, kind of a mixed bag. Through three quarters, we didn't, didn't do much of anything. We, we were down 21-6. to six. We rallied, had a chance, uh, didn't get the two-point conversion. But uh, I actually I was at that game as well, Trent. So uh, if you're looking for bad omens for Saturday, I was I was at the two games we lost after the bye week. Maybe we should we should change this up because I'm going to Madison on Saturday. Oh, no. Maybe I should give, maybe I should give you my ticket and you should go since you were there for the 2018 win. Deal. Nah, I don't think I can pull that one off. Unfortunately, you, you, you and Paul Bisgar can sit together. I'm going with my pop. That so, sounds uh, great. He probably, he probably enjoys sitting with you better anyway. Yeah, well, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, now, I need to make him a road trip with you guys sometime because that sounds excellent. I would love to to go to a road trip with your dad, one of my favorite people, and talk Hawkeye football. That's a fun one. I'm very jealous. And well, well I'm excited too. As you know, my dad's also a huge Atlanta Braves fan. Yeah, so we'll get. To, we're going to go to a bar and watch Game Three of the. Uh, the Braves as well. So it should, should be a fun weekend. But, uh, you know, wrapping up the, the bye week changes, Trent, I guess what I'd say after seeing those three, uh, I, I think we'll see some changes. We've done some different things coming out of the bye week, but with varying degrees of success. So what's your prediction, Trent? What will we see for any tweaks or changes coming out of the bye week? You know, you mentioned that 4-4 look, and it didn't work out very well. I do wonder, though, what they do with Dane Belton. You know, if this is a game, of course, we know that Riley Moss is going to be out. If this is one, though, they make a decision where you got to get Belton on the field. You feel like Merriweather, with his physicality, is going to help out there. And there's some rumblings out there. I, I don't know any validity to them, but the Terry Roberts might have got hurt in practice this week. If that's the case, if that means Dane Belton maybe becomes a corner on one side of the field on the opposite side of Hankins and they go that route, if that's a wrinkle, that would make sense. So that's something at least defensively to keep an eye on. On the offensive side, I don't think there's any wrinkles you can do. The offensive line just I don't think is going to get to a point where it's going to be even – average for this season it's going to be below all year long just get back to the quick passing game and getting the ball out quick and and getting it some more tunnel screens some bubbles doing different things like that get those offensive linemen out there moving a little bit more maybe that's something that could help negate what has been an absolute terror the 3-4 defense against the Hawks yeah I've got I agree with all that I've got two other kind of wrinkles I'd like to see on Saturday one and this is not uh, anything shocking but more, more, more Keegan and Ireland. I mean, yeah. I think this is the moment when those two kind of take over. Uh, they're our best wide receivers, Trent. They just are, and it's time for them. To, it's time to flip the switch. It's time for them to play forty plays a game, and players like Tracy to play twenty, twenty-five plays a game. They need to be on the field more. They're, they're our most dynamic options. Keegan's our only true deep threat, and Bruce, I think, has just shown that he's better at getting open and probably better in space than Tyrone Tracy is at this point. So play them more. The other thing I'd like to see, I know it hasn't worked at all this year, but I'd like to see the return of the Wildcat a little bit on Saturday. Uh, do you need to run it 10, 15 times? No, but run it two or three or four times just because it gets more playmakers on the field. Um, you know, As we all know, Petrus is a complete statue back there. And just having some creativity, like you said, if it's jet sweeps, if it's those types of things, that's fine. But to me, just a creative wrinkle in a way you maybe can get the running game going at least a little bit 
is to try the Wildcat again and, and bring out some different wrinkles out of the Wildcat because, you know, it's not rocket science. Everybody knows, everybody in the world knows what Wisconsin's strategy is going to be going on Saturday. It's going to be run, run, and run some more. But, uh, you know, what our strategy is and what we decide to do uh, on Saturday on the offensive end, you know, I think this is kind of a defining moment for Brian Ferentz. It, we, we need to uh, – we can go a couple different ways in this game. It'll be interesting to see what he what he tries to do. Is he going to try to uh, match the physicality of Wisconsin and run, run the ball against them, or is he going to do what you said and you know try to you know, bring back some the short passing game and other options? Because I just don't think we can match their physicality. I think they're they're a bigger team than us, and if we try to beat them at their own game, I think we're gonna we're gonna regret it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's not a game and a matchup that works out very well there. Another thing, the edge certainly once again this week in special teams goes Iowa's way. A big edge, I think, at the kicker spot. Punter, Wisconsin does have a better, a pretty good punter, but the big thing is their coverage units compared to what we are in the return game. That's where Iowa has a real big advantage here. Special teams, it's going to be a week. You're going to need probably a turnover or two, and Charlie Jones, he's had a lot of big returns Let's take one all the way back to the house this week. Sounds good to me. Uh, that's, so actually, Trent, I had kind of jotted down, you know, let's transition into a full breakdown of this week's game. I had jotted out what I thought were four keys to to beating Wisconsin this week, and you just touched on one of them, which is we need to win special teams. Yeah. You know, that seems obvious because Iowa almost always wins special teams, but, you know, Purdue game really showed just how important it is, and you know, first of all, we need all the things you said, punt return, those types of things are great, but we need the torpedo back also. Tory Taylor's been very average the last few games, and, and he just hasn't been what we expect out of him. I mean, against Penn State, he was great with the pooch kicks and getting the ball inside the 10, but there hasn't been a single – I mean, we're not going to get a lot of pooch kicks in Wisconsin. We, we need him to have a couple 20-yard line to 20-yard line type 60-yard punts. So – you know, we need to do what we did against Iowa State, which is you know win the field position battle, be patient, and, and wait for Graham Mertz to, to f it up, and and that starts with with winning special teams. So that was number one or one of my keys to a win. Number, second one, Trent, we've got to find a way to limit our negative plays. I mean, I'm assuming you saw it, but we're dead last in the Big Ten when it comes for tackles for loss on offense. We have 56 tackles for loss in seven games. And Wisconsin defense is first in the Big Ten as far as forcing tackles for loss. So uh, not a great combo. So, you know, what do we do to fix that? I mean, I think we've got to play backwards a little bit. I think we've got to pass the ball on first down a little bit. We've got to be a little more creative. We can't get ourselves into second and 13s or third and 15s against them because their defense will just destroy us in those situations. No, that makes a ton of sense, and you're right. Yeah, Iowa, that's the part that I kind of said, that quick passing game. You can't run it and have second and 12. You just you can't play behind the sticks against anybody, but against this team more than anything. It just can't happen. So that's the part that you have to be able to find a way to get that ball out quick because they're going to have a lot of tackles for loss. Sanborn's an absolute stud. Their other inside linebacker is like 265 pounds. He's a monster too. Those guys have combined for like 28 pressures this year and 19 and a half tackles for loss. You can't play on second and 12. You just can't. You're dead on. The other thing, I mean, Trent, you look at Wisconsin's games so far, you can pass the ball on Wisconsin. They're, they're obviously a very good defense. Wisconsin's always a very good defense. But Notre Dame, Penn State, and Michigan all threw the ball for about 250 yards against them. 
with a total of six touchdowns and zero interceptions. You know, they're, you can throw the ball on them, and we're going to have to do that. I mean, we can't, we can't, like you said, we can't, we can't just run and accept second and twelve. We got to get creative. We, we got to work backwards a little bit. I think we need to follow the same game plan we did on our other two road games. You know, versus Iowa State and Maryland, both early in the game. We passed the ball quite a bit. I looked. We passed eight out of our first 11 plays against Iowa State, or dropped back to pass at least. And Maryland, we passed on seven of the first ten. I think you need to follow that same same blueprint for a couple reasons. One, I don't, you know, I just don't see us having success running it down their throat early in the game. Second, it gets Spencer Peaches in that rhythm a little better. Against Iowa State and Maryland, was he great in the first quarter? Absolutely not. But Boy, in the second quarter, he was phenomenal in both games. And I think part of that was he, he got a rhythm going on the road early. So, to me, you kind of follow those game plans. You know, what worked at I, on the road the first two times, let's uh, let's follow that game plan again. couple of keys there. What else you got for us, Biz? This one, I think, is probably the most important one, actually, Trent. Defense has to get off the field on third down. Yeah. It's Wisconsin is terrible on third down. They convert about less than 29%, about 28.5% on third down. And as you know, Iowa defense usually pretty good on third down, but we were terrible against Penn State in the second and third quarter, against Purdue in the second and third quarters, and we were really bad against Penn State until Clifford went out. So you've got to force them into some third and mediums, third and longs, and then take advantage of those. Because Graham Mertz, as, as we've all seen, is going to make mistakes. And, and he is, as I said before, he's a terrible quarterback. You, you look at his stats, Trent. I looked at it. If you drop out the Eastern Michigan game, he has completed 50% of his passes on the year, two touchdowns, seven interceptions. So you got to get him into those third-down situations and, and then take advantage of them when you, when you have them. Because you, know, you go back and look at that Purdue game. Purdue had quite a few third and mediums, third and longs, and we – couldn't get off the field. So and if we can't get off the field against Wisconsin, we're in deep, deep trouble. Right there with you, time of possession. It's You don't feel like Iowa's going to have a bunch of long, sustained drives. Hopefully there's a big play in there, but to expect that they're going to have, say, four or five drives of eight to ten plays, I just don't think that's realistic against this one. If that doesn't happen, that means your defense is on the field. You're exactly right. Get off the field. Make it both teams trading punts and a lot of three and outs. That's okay as opposed to them just grinding things out, grinding things out, and maybe even flipping field position, picking up a couple of those third downs too, Biz. I like that. Well, we got We don't need to necessarily win time of possession, but we've got to break even on it. Cause, yeah. uh, did you watch the Wisconsin-Purdue game? Mm-hmm. That game, I mean, it, it was Wisconsin football. It was literally like their uh, – their how-to video on how to play Wisconsin football. I saw somewhere they did not pass the ball the last, like, it was 44 minutes of the game. I mean, literally, it was unbelievable. He was, Graham Mertz was five for, or didn't complete a pass the last 44 minutes. He was five for six to start and then didn't complete a pass the last 44 minutes, and they dominated the game. So they just wear you down, they wear you down, they wear you down. So like you said, you got to limit the, the long drives. You, you got to play field position. You, you got to make them earn it because, again, if, if we can somehow make Graham Mertz throw the ball more than 20 times, you got to love our chances. Keys to the game. All right. Anything more on that front? Last one. Um, and I think this, you've been to, to Madison before. I've been there before. Mm-hmm. I think it's a huge advantage that's an 11 a.m. game 
because the students just won't be there. They won't be there the first quarter. No. They'll, they'll roll in the second quarter at halftime and be there to jump around. But that place is going to be two-thirds full at the start of the game. So we need to jump on them early. Yeah. I think this is a game where I know in the past we, we've done really well on the road where we've fallen behind and then bounced back. I, I don't see that going this game going that way. we got to jump on them. we got to get the lead early and force them to – change their game plan a little bit. So to me, that first quarter is going to be huge. we, we got to come out, get that bad taste out of our mouth after Purdue, you know, and, and jump on them a little bit. Even 3 nothing, just getting the lead would be absolutely huge. It feels like that's going to be the case in this game. Before we get into our picks, Biz, uh, I want to play a little story time with Uncle TC here. I want to take you back to one of my favorite games there. Because this one maybe is setting up very similar as it pertains to quarterback plays. Two quarterbacks struggling right now. Myself and Stat Boy made the trip over back in 2003 to Madison for the trek where I would jump out early to a lead, 7 nothing. Wisconsin came roaring back, but the defense kept him in the game. Now, this was the game that came down to the wire. Considine knocked down a pass in the end zone. Iowa won at 27-21. Don't think there's going to be as many points in that one. But as I was looking back... First of all, we uh, Stat Boy and I just scalped tickets before the game. Uh, older j- couple from Wisconsin had two extra tickets out of their season tickets, so we had great seats like on the 40-yard line, 30 rows up. They were great seats. But after Wisconsin jumped out 21-7, she reached over and tapped me on the knee and said, oh, you guys want your money back for these tickets? I, just, I, I was not pleased about that one. After Iowa won, I uh, didn't told her we didn't realize he only played two quarters in Wisconsin. But that aside, Nate Chandler in that game, Biz, this was allegedly when Gallery had him by the throat in the locker room and told him to play better. 8 of 26, a touchdown and two picks in the Hawkeye victory. I'll take that this week as long as Iowa can get the win. Uh, 8 of 26 would be uh, uh, not a recipe for a victory, but uh, I'll I'll take anything. Uh, What it comes down to, Trent, I can't imagine either fan base if you're a realistic Iowa fan or a realistic Wisconsin fan, I don't think anybody should be going into this game overconfident. I mean, right. Yeah. I just, they've got flaws. We've got flaws. Pretty much all of our flaws are on the offensive side of the ball. You know, it, it's Wisconsin fans. I don't think they're. You know, there's plenty of seats available. You can go buy tickets to this game right now if you want. It's nowhere close to a sellout. So. I don't think they believe in their team all that much. I think, like I said before, Iowa fans, it's kind of a, uh, you know, there's that impending sense of concern right now after the Purdue game. Nobody's going into this game think, um, thinking, man, we're just going to go in and dominate this game. We, we've, You and I have seen plenty of Iowa-Wisconsin games. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be a, a, a slugfest. It might be the first team to double digits wins. So uh, I don't care if it's 8 for 26 or, or 2 for 26, as long as uh, we – we end out with uh, one more point than they do. I'm happy with it. That game, uh, three quarterbacks played for the Badgers. Matt Schabert had three interceptions. He was 4 of 11. Jim Sorge was 4 of 10. John Stocko was 5 of 9. The best thrower of the football that day was Lee Evans, the former wide receiver, 1 for 1 for 18 yards in that one. Well, you mentioned Ugly. You mentioned Slugfest. Let's get into our picks here. You are at 500 on the year, 11-11-1. I am 9-14. and 14. That is losing money. I'm going to go right to it here. Let's jump into the Iowa-Wisconsin game. Get me under. I don't know if it was 26.5 if I take the over in this one. I think we're destined to 12-9, 13-10, 
16-14, maybe at the absolute highest end of this one. 36.5 feels like way too many points unless you get defense, special teams, short fields, that kind of thing. If this turns out to be the game that I anticipate, give me the under all day long. Uh, give me Iowa for the same reasons you just said. I mean, all those numbers you just mentioned, 13-10, 16-14, those are all covers for Iowa. Right. So I just think, I don't know why this spread is three and a half. It's, it's too high. And it, again, do I think, do I feel confident that Iowa's going to cover? Absolutely not. But if you're a Wisconsin fan, you don't feel confident Wisconsin's going to cover also. So in a game that's going to be really close, give me the team that's getting three and a half. So uh, don't uh, – don't go bet your life savings on that trip, but give me the Hawks. Big game in the Big Ten East. We thought we were going to have two monsters. Ohio State, Penn State certainly lost some luster after last week's performance by the Nittany Lions. Let's go to the Mitten. Michigan State hosting Michigan. Currently Sparty, a four-point underdog at home. Yeah, I, I'm going to go under on this for kind of the same reasons you, you talked about Iowa, Iowa State, or Iowa, Wisconsin. I think these are two teams that know each other pretty well. They're very run-oriented. I just think 15 and a half is too high for this. I, I think it won't be as low as the Iowa-Wisconsin game, but I don't see either team getting above 24 in this game. So uh, give me under 15 and a half. Going to jump on with Sparty here. Home field, I think, like you, it's not going to be as low scoring as the Iowa-Wisconsin. I do like your pick there on the under, something that I had already zeroed in on this week too. But I'm going to grab the points. Rivalry game. Uh, Michigan State historically very good in this spot, 11-2 and against the number in the last 13 games. Of course, won that game outright. I don't believe, overly believe in either team right now, but I'm getting more in a field goal. I like it. I'll take Sparty with our uh, national game of the week. Wrapping up with our favorite pick of the week, and I'm going back to the well again. Last week, I tailed San Diego State, took Air Force, didn't get a winner. I'm going against them again this week. No Aztecs for me. Give me Fresno State. They were the bell of the ball earlier this college football season. An offense that at least has a pulse. That is not the Aztecs. I'll take the point and Fresno on the road in San Diego. Well, we're, we're, we're both thinking West Coast this week, Trent. Give me the Utah Fighting Utes minus six against UCLA. Um, I don't know if you followed the story at all, but Utah has tragically had uh, two different uh, players get, get shot in, in random shootings in the last year. They were both good friends from the same town. Um, they both ended up wearing the same number. They are retiring that number this game. Uh, you add that to the fact that, A, Utah is playing good football, and, B, UCLA has got to have a letdown after last week. I, I think this is a blowout. I think Utah, uh, for all those reasons, uh, wins this, uh, covers this easily. So give me, give me Utah minus six. Utah minus six for Biz's best bet of the week. And Trent? Oh, sorry. Well, as I was gonna say, before we, uh, before we move on from – the gambling portion of the show, since we are a degenerate, uh, degenerate uh, Hawkeye podcast, I do want to – Stat Boy sent me a couple different numbers that should make you feel good about the Iowa-Wisconsin game. You, okay. you, you ready to end on a high note? I like this. I like gambling numbers given to me. All right, two numbers. Take it to the bank here, Trent. Kirk Ferentz teams, the week after we have a minus three turnover ratio or more, and last week we had minus three – Week after minus three in the Big Ten, Kirk's 8-0 against the spread the week after. So uh, we usually bounce back, or uh, in fact, have always bounced back. 8-0 against the spread after a minus three turnover game in a Big Ten uh, setting. So there's one for you. The other one, even more simple, Kirk's teams are 6-1 and against the spread in Madison since 2003. 
We uh, mm-hmm. we don't always win in Madison, but we always keep it close. So uh, take it to the bank, Trent. Uh, you, I, I lied earlier. You you can mortgage your house on the Hawks <laughs> plus three and a half at least at least according to the numbers. And uh, yeah, send that bill to Jace Bisgard is where you can send that one if it comes up empty. Well, I remember the one that uh, did not go the Hawkeyes way. One of the most hideous performances in Iowa football history as the only points on the board were Joshua Jackson pick six as they got obliterated there. Let's hope for better results. Let's hope for for the same results we saw a season ago against Bucky and enjoy it there. Well, you'll be enjoying Madison, Wisconsin. Biz, before we leave, though, it's time once again for Business Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Business Beat of the day. Okay, here's Business Beat of the day. Trent, we are in one of the best, if not the best, sports week of the year. Uh, it's the perfect uh, storm of circumstances where for the next seven to ten days, Trent, it doesn't get much better as a sports fan. You've got college football and the NFL in full swing. You've got NBA and college basketball starting. If you're a hockey fan, you've got hockey starting and you got the World Series. So uh, it's one of the best weeks you can ask for as a uh, as a degenerate sports fan like the two of us. So uh, enjoy the week, uh, and hopefully the Hawks will give us a reason to really, uh, really, truly enjoy the week on Saturday. And we're less than two weeks away from the home opener for Iowa basketball. Nine o'clock tip-off against Longwood. Looks like a long night in front of uh, people from at least uh, my area making the drive back. 9 a.m., uh, 9 p.m. tip-off for the opener. That's an odd one. Are you kidding me? I did not uh, see that. Uh, <laughs> Good Lord, there there might not be – it might feel like last year. It might feel like the pandemic's uh, right. still going on. There may not be anybody at that game. Uh, we'll look forward to that and get ready for basketball, certainly, in the weeks to come. Biz, with that, we are out of time. Let's do it again next week. Go Hawks.